Hello Life Changes Church, welcome to our YouTube channel. We have got an amazing word prepared for you, so why don't you take out your notebook and your pen as we get ready to listen to what God has for us. What a privilege it is. My name is Mark. I'm one of the team here. I have the privilege of leading in this amazing church. And we, uh, I did get up and make a quick announcement. Our boy said to me, oh, was that the preach, Dad? It was short today. This eh? <laughs> is not the preach. He doesn't normally sit in church, so he's not used to uh, the times together. But it's such a privilege. If you're new to the life of the story, what a privilege to have you with us this morning. Please join us for coffee afterwards. Find a way into community. We do that through life groups, which meet in homes across the city during the week. We do that in other moments, like the amazing ladies had a rise this week. Who was at a rise this week? Come on, there we go. There were a lot more than that in the room on Wednesday night. But it was an amazing, amazing moment, and just lots of moments, like the young adults event tonight. And I want to jump in as I'm preaching um, this morning. Uh, uh, we are not in a series, but we are feeling God speaking through See the New. And God is challenging us to be a people who believe Him and trust Him for all that He's got for us. And the scripture that He's spoken to us and continues to speak to us from is Isaiah 43, where Isaiah is bringing the word to a people who are feeling depleted, their enemies on their shores, they, they are struggling. And he, he reminds them of the goodness of God, that He brought them through the sea, that He swallowed up the enemy as the ocean crashed down on them. And then He says this. But forget all that. He changes direction, changes his tack, and he says, actually, I need you to forget that so that you can see what I'm doing. He says, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He says, that's swallowing up the sea. You think you, so you're saying, God, do that again. Why would I do it again? Why would I do it again when I can do so much more? For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. And we feel this urge that God is wanting to do something new. We don't know what it is exactly, but God is speaking. It's new in, his, in worship of Him that we would experience new layers and levels of worship. It's new in experience in terms of trusting Him for miracles and grace to pour out. Breakthrough in community, families restored. God's saying, I'm the God who makes, creates rivers in the dry wasteland. Who, does that sound attractive to anyone this morning? It's like, I'll take a river in the dry wasteland right now. Sucking sand is not fun. No, we, we, we are those people. And God says, I want to remind us that as you follow me, there's a decision to follow. We aren't doers of the gospel. We are believers of the gospel who stumble into walking out lives that demonstrate his goodness and kindness. But ultimately, first and foremost, we are believers. We follow because we believe in Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. He didn't give them all the terms and conditions. He didn't spell it out. He didn't say, this is going to be your career plan, Simon. You're not going to be fishing. You're going to be reaching people with the gospel. And one day you're going to preach and 3,000 people are going to get saved. If we told Simon that at the start, Simon would get gone. I like fishing. Give me 3,000 fish. Actually, I'll take five. And so the challenge of the gospel is it comes into every area and we are all following someone or something. All of us. I mean, we live in a world where everyone says, I'm so unique and I'm so, oh yeah, but somehow they all dress the same. Buy the same clothes and want the same amount of followers on Insta Instagram and everywhere else. And the challenge is, we're not that unique. We're all following. And we just, what we're following is what we get to choose. What is your marriage following? What guidelines? What, what, what models? And is it the word of God or is it everything the, word, the world is shouting? What is your finances and your financial decisions? And how, where are your trust factors in the areas of finances? Is it the word of God or is it... Some financial planner you know nothing about who pops up on your Instagram all the time because an algorithm put him there. That's 
how this world is following and, and that the challenges has to come to us, that God is speaking. And I want to speak tonight, this morning, in the light of See the New, a word around the will of God. And the reason I'm speaking about it is because I realize I use this scripture that I'm going to refer to in Romans 12 a lot when meeting with people. Young people, older people, people new to the faith, people who've been walking for years. And I use it in the council, in counseling and context like that, but I've never really preached it. And I feel it's so key in understanding that God is on the move with us. That He's speaking to us. That too many people come to church, chairs on a Sunday, here or elsewhere. I see the thousands worshipping last night, slipping and sliding in the mud of Mirandal, Getting stuck as they're trying to get out. But thousands worshiping. I'm saying, how many people here truly know the blazing fire that God called them to be? And God has spoken. They have allowed Him to speak that into your soul. Do you even believe that God has a plan for your life? And I realize when I speak to people, most people don't. They think, here's the journey. Come out of wickedness into light. Come out of darkness into life. Receive salvation. Walk for how many ever years and then go to eternity. And someone else will do the stuff. God will speak to a pastor, a preacher. No, that is such a small picture of God saying, God needs to raise up men in business who, and women in business who are fired up with a conviction that God has placed me here. God has called me to influence. God has called and put His grace upon me to be a man or a woman who leads in this space. He's got to, because, because when God calls us to something, He sustains that call. I look at my mate here saying, yeah, a lot, and he's running his exam in two weeks' time that I think the pass rate last year was 5%, something like that. And his boss is smiling at the back there because he knows how hard it is. And yet he's here at 6 o'clock in the morning worshiping and leading and here pouring out even though he should be studying. Why? Because God's called him to be a worship leader and a charging forward attorney in the light of the city. Leading and seeing freedom come. And God will sustain that call. Yes, I'm boasting about him because I can. But, but God sustains what he calls us to. And then I want to say there's a difference between what's the will of God? Should I be generous? Yes, I don't need to know or receive a word from God. Should I be kind to people? Yes, let your gentleness be evident to all, even when there's a traffic jam after a Christian event. <laughs> and and, and should, I, should, should I, can I justify holding on to this offense for three days? No. That's the general will of God. I'm just telling you, you don't get to evade those things. You don't get to, I don't really like the stuff that's just like for all Christians. No, that's the general will of God. Live a life of pursuit of holiness and righteousness. Allow sanctification to come in our story and go down that road and journey. But does it just stop there? Just be a good Christian. Is that the word? No, it doesn't. God speaks his word into sons and daughters, courage and conviction with specific words of life. Think about Noah. Noah, build an ark. Ah... Ridicule. How long did it take him to build the ark? Many, many, many years. Decades. Noah. What you doing, Noah? Um, building an ark. Why? Um, God told me. Didn't have to justify. God sustained, looked after his family. You see the other characters. We see Moses and Priscilla and Aquila and Paul. All the, the beating, stoning, shipwreck, snake bites, hunger. That's all Paul's life. What sustained him? Well, it wasn't the food because there wasn't always food. It wasn't safety and security because there wasn't always safety and security. It was God's calling in his life. What's the God call in your life that will sustain and settle and secure everything that God wants to do with you? Because again, I want to tell you what God calls you to, he will sustain you through. Not just a Christian line that rhymes, although it does. What God calls you to, he will sustain you through. I promise you, God will not be mocked. 
and God is faithful. So the challenge with the room is many people here are going, I don't know if God's called me to anything. I know that because I've sat in the pastoral meetings. And I'm trying to save a thousand pastoral meetings by preaching a word of God to you so that we can all move forward. Because God's got words for you. And God isn't silent. And you look at Moses leading people out of the desert. Mary, here, you're going to receive a child. And Paul, go to the Gentiles. A specific call. See, I have limitations, but God doesn't. I have limited resources. I need rest. God doesn't. Just so you know, he doesn't need rest. I cannot control all my, the elements of my world, but God can. And so to see the new is to trust him. And the number one thing in our lives is to go this journey of understanding something. And it's when I come close to God, I realize my father, there's a revelation that happens in almost every heart. If you're my father, surely you've got plans for my life. You've got desires. The, the word will comes from this word telema. And it's translated Greek words in three different ways. The first one is prothesis, which means to plan in advance. There's a father in heaven that the book of Ephesians and the apostle in the book of Ephesians describes his father as glorious. A good father plans in advance for his kids. Not with some worldly standard, I need to do all this for my kids. No, there's a provision and a planning for that fathers should do in the tragedy of our nation. It's a missing element. We need to get back there and understand that if the glorious father calls us and he plans in advance for our lives, there's a there's a response in our souls that calls us to want to know what are his plans. The second way is bule or B-O-U-L-E. It means a fixed intention which cannot be changed by others. The enemy can't change God's plans. Generational curses can't change God's plans. A bad song in worship can't change God's plans. No, God's plans are God's plans. And the last one is the word telema, which means desire. It refers to God, a desire which God wants to, his humans, his children, his sons and daughters to walk. He's got a passion and a desire for your life. Do you believe it? That, that the God in heaven is interested in your journey. See, I've got three boys, and they're all different. And as, a, as an earthly father, that the book of Luke says, although earthly offers, give it a go. The glorious Father never fails. He continues to pour out the how much more of heaven. I want to provoke you to think, God, could I be so audacious to ask your will? That's the provocation today, and to understand that we can. And here's the scripture that I want to speak to, and I ask that you would go and read it yourself, because it's challenging. It's the context of Romans 12. Paul's just been teaching about the perfect sufficiency of grace, and how you cannot add anything to the grace of God and to his gospel. And then he jumps into this challenge. Says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. There's a thousand preachers here. I want to start at the beginning. He says, therefore. He says, because of the grace of God, which you cannot add to or take away, because of the mercy of God, therefore. He says, I urge you. When the Apostle Paul says, I urge you, it's not a gentle urging. It's not a nudge. It's not my wife at the end of an evening when she's tired, just tapping me on the foot. You know, if you're a husband, you've had that. 
Just that gentle, this is not that. This is more like the elbow in the ribs. Maybe you've got that one. Maybe more familiar. It's like we're out of here. No, I've got both of them. This is an urging of the Apostle Paul saying, I urge you in the light of God's mercy. And he continues, says, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what's your view? What's your view? What if we took out our phones and didn't just take a picture of a cure, but we looked at our screen time on our phones? Average teenager in America, seven or eight hours on social media a day. That's their view. The problem is if our view isn't God's mercy, if our view isn't His grace, and if our view isn't His goodness, our view is something else. Our view is the insecurities and brokennesses of our world that look us to chase after followers in this life and, and looking for the approval of man. I spent my teenage years trying to impress people I didn't even like. Most people spend their lives trying to do that. God's saying, now I want to pull it back in view of God's mercy. We've got to get His mercy in our view, in our perspective. It says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. There is a sacrifice. Yes, the ultimate sacrifice has been paid, but there is a sacrifice. There is a bringing and a surrendering of our lives to call on the will of God and to say, God, I want to know your will for my life. The first thing that takes place is a surrendering of my will. Just look at Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Ever heard those words? There's a surrendering and a sacrificing that is part of the story. But we've got to push into the more. Well, how, Mark? How do you know the will of God for life? I'm telling you it's real. I'm telling you I've been here for almost 10 years. They have been the most glorious years. They've also been the greatest challenges of my life. In the last 10 years, we've navigated five years of physical pain for my wife. We've navigated other emotional stuff in the family. We've navigated many, many funerals that I've done in this room. We've celebrated We've seen highs and lows. And there has not been a day I have questioned whether God, should we or shouldn't we have come to Cape Town? My wife is the witness here. Why? Because God spoke. So how do you get there, Mark? Is it just the privilege of the few? No, the Bible tells us. How? First, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do you want to know the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God? Here's the answer. First, do not. Not a suggestion. Again, Apostle Paul, trying to be nice. I don't think in person he was that polite, personally. I just don't think he was. I think he was quite a straightforward speaker. He says, do not conform any longer. What's he saying? You are conforming. You are. You're in the world. You're in Rome. It's the striving metropolis. You've encountered grace, but you're conforming to the patterns of this world in the areas of your sexuality, conforming in the areas of your finances, conforming. You're trusting God and saying, God, move, but you're conforming to the patterns of this world. It's a challenge in 2023 because the lines are so blurred. And to be honest, much of the church seems to be falling in line more than stepping out and standing out for what the Bible says might not be conforming to this world, but is conforming to the Word of God. And we have to stand. We have to understand that Christianity is not a popularity contest. You've got to understand that being a disciple of Jesus comes with some stuff. That the minute you enter a conversation, trust me, I know, I'm a pastor. Standing next to Raggedfield, I just want mates. What do you do, what do you do, what do you do? Um, pastor, oh. Literally, some conversations just end. That's like, ah. It's that. We've had it so many times. The Bible says, do not, not a suggestion, 
conform any longer. What does conforming mean? We all think we know. Well, a, a conformer, one of the things is called a conformer is the thing they put in an eye socket. When someone loses an eye and they're busy preparing a replacement eye, a false eye, they put a conformer in to hold that space to keep the integrity of the structure because what happens if we don't, that space closes and a new eye will not fit. It conforms. And if you don't put a conformer in, it doesn't conform to the space that's required. Another conformer that probably is more real in this life is they would take young, fresh leather to make a shoe, to get that nice, hard part on the front of your shoes. And though some of you wear those fancy, weak shoes with a nose, what they do is they take leather and they pull it over a, a metal or wooden structure, and then they beat it. They just beat the leather. They beat the life out of it. Until there's no life left, and what's happened is you have leather that's been conformed to a shape. Welcome to 2023, where the enemy's strategy is to put you over conformers in the areas of sexuality, relationships, any area of life, and his strategy is just to beat you with interest rates, challenges, and economics, and political rubbish, and all sorts of stuff. And we, we allow ourselves, if we don't heed the word of the apostle, to be conformed. And the word comes to us and says, you want to know the will of God? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Your marriage is different. Your sexuality is different. Your dreams, your thought life, the way you process your finances, the faith and courage is different. Deal with it. The problem is that's a big step. It's a demanding journey. But the apostle doesn't mince his words. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Why? Because there are patterns. The enemy's having a field day. Why are we speaking to young adults about sexuality? Because a lot of young adults in the church don't believe in marriage anymore. I'm not trying to defend it because I'm in it. I'm speaking about it because the Bible speaks about it and it's important. It's a sign and wonder to the world when it's good and I'm telling you our marriages are called to shine. And parents have lost courage to speak on some areas. We want to speak. Why? Because we want to put the word of God into people. Not my preferences and opinions. And you heard Terry Virgo speak. You first time in the UK ever, more babies born out of wedlock than in wedlock. Ever. In a country that 80% of the people identify as Christian. It's a challenge. It's a pattern of the world becoming the pattern of the church. And we have to challenge it. And then the scripture continues. So the first part, you want to know the will of God? Sounded. First part, do not conform. Second part, it's in the Bible, guys. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know those transformer, bumblebee? Transformed. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. I've had the privilege of watching a transformation in my life. The girl I'd met had just got saved. She'd been pulled out of rave clubs. She'd been pulled out of party drugs, pulled out of a massive life of insecurity and brokenness. And I watched the Spirit of God and the Father get their hands inside of a life and begin to transform. And I just had a front row seat for the next couple of years as God transformed to the point every time we went back to the family, the comment was, who is this? You see someone who gets up and speaks to 240 ladies on a Wednesday night and looks confident telling a story. That wasn't who that person was 23 years ago. It just wasn't. There's been a transforming. Why? Because of the renewing of mind. Your mind is powerful. You've got to understand what you determines the future of your story is your thinking. The enemy gets in this way. 2 Corinthians 4. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. 
to keep them from seeing the lights of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Well, that's what he does with the unbelievers. How does he do it in the church with believers? If he can just dull it down, dumb it down, warp. Allow our view to not be the view of God's mercy, but the view of the brokenness of our world. Why? Anxiety. Because our view is wrong. I'm telling you. We've got to get our view right. We've got to understand that if we want to walk into God's will and understand we have to be a people who first and foremost do not allow ourselves to be conformed by the patterns of this world. The way to not be conformed is, well, I don't do that. No, it's not that. It's not pious living. It's not another thing to put on yourself. It's making sure that we aren't determined by the patterns of this world. And secondly, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which means you've got to go a journey. Which means that actually there's a process of allowing the word of God to come in and reveal to us who is God. What does life look like with God in our lives? What does that determine for my marriage? How does, that's a process. And you know what? You can rewire your mind. You can rewire your mind. Why? By the spirit of God. So he says, how do you want to know the will of God? Don't be conformed. Be transformed. He says this promise. Then, once, what does then mean? After that. I'm no English major, but I know it means that. It says, after those processes, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. We want security. We live in a world we want guarantees. No, he says, here's the guarantee. Go those processes, then you'll be able to test and approve it. God says two areas. One, test me in finances. Given you'll see that I'm faithful. That's one area God says. The other area says you can test and approve his will. Here in Romans 12, after Paul has expounded on grace and poured it out, he says, test and approve. It's the one word which is dokumazo, which means authenticity has been tested. Saying, this is not a false truth. This is not a false will. This is not a guessing in the dark. There's authenticity to God's will. You can test it and approve it. We answer the call to go into ministry. My family who'd taken me to church, my father really struggled with it. My best friend thought I'd gone mad. My director's work literally thought I'd gone mad. The answer for, from the CEO of this multinational company said, go get it out your system. I've seen this before. I'll see you in two years' time. And gave me a bottle of 15-year-old whiskey to go into ministry. <laughs> but the will of God... I was busy making process decisions. I'd been offered a business to run in business. Complicated story. And I said yes. And in the process of doing due diligence for that business, I just could not find peace. You know what the Bible says? Righteousness, peace, and joy. I would drive and smash the dashboard. My wife thought I went nuts. I couldn't sleep. I sleep like a baby. I could not sleep. I said, God, what are you doing? And then those inconvenient songs that come around at inconvenient times, this prophetic dude who, to be honest, I struggled with some of his ways. He would laugh sometimes while he sang. I'm like, who laughs while you're singing? <laughs> this guy, Jason Upton, wrote a song. And there's this line that just came in the song. And as he sang it, hmm. It says, the will of the Lord, it's a bondage breaker. The will of the Lord, the will of the Lord, it's the bondage breaker. He just sang it over. And over and over again, I say, God, I can do my thing. 
I can be my God. And you'll still love me. That's the irony. That's the challenge of the grace of God. You'll still love me. I'll still be a son. Or can accept that there's a Father in heaven who is glorious. And even though I had the justification, God, but you took me all those studies. You even paid for my studies. You allowed me to do all those years of what? You then took me in a corporate environment and I dealt with ladders and performance appraisals and all these things for years, climbing, 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 all to just go, whoop, yes. But God, I've only preached once. It wasn't very good. It doesn't matter. The will of the Lord secures you. Storms can come and you can stand. Little boys can be 20 weeks pregnant and the enemy and, and, and diagnosis of chaos in their life comes and you can stand. Because whether that comes to fruition or it gets healed like God did, you stand. Because the will of the Lord is a bondage breaker. It says you can test and approve the will. Can I just speak into something that I believe is Christian mysticism? And I'll tell you why. And if you've had this conversation with me and I smiled and waved, please be free. But I don't believe at all in open doors and closed doors theology. I call it Christian mysticism where I was walking and I'm just going to walk and a door is going to open. No, a door opened for Jonah to go to Nineveh as well. He was walking and a ship to Nineveh. Oh, open door. The enemy can open doors too. And... That's why the gospel speaks about a father who speaks. He speaks through his word and he speaks with his voice into the souls of his sons and daughters. He speaks through prophetic voices. He speaks. And I get very scared when I hear people, well, I'm taking my family here on this big move because a door opened. The enemy can open doors too. Just hear God. It might be God. But let's not fall for Christian mysticism in an age where we need to hear his voice. Is that all right? It says, then and after, do not conform, transform, he says, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Get on my brother up here to come and play on a Starship Enterprise there. (laughs) I needed a revelation for my personal journey, and sorry I'm being so personal today. But at 20 years old, 21 years old, my parents got liquidated and it changed my whole life. The house we owned for my whole life was gone. The table we sat at was gone. My stuff, I didn't have the courage to go home and get it before the sheriff came. It was gone. My parents took a job, my father's first job, after liquidation, he earned less than I learned in my first job ever in my career. It shattered my world, it shattered my perspectives forced me to get on my knees before God and say, God, I need to know you now. And I'm so grateful for that process. Because it forced me to ask God, you're either real or you're not. I either trust you or I don't. You're the faithful and kind as your word says you are, or you're not. And so I went on a journey of going after success. And I went hard at it. I slept on office couches sometimes when others went home. I traveled when others chose not to. I ran hard at something because I thought that was what was graced for my life. And I'm grateful that I did. But there came a time God called me to something else. And you know what got exposed? 
an unhealed wound. I said, God, that journey you're calling me on doesn't look as secure. doesn't look as safe. It doesn't look from where I'm standing right now as good. And then you read the Bible, it says, good, perfect, and pleasing will. And I don't say this often, but I, I felt the Father speak to me. Say, son, it's good, perfect, and pleasing to me. Not to you. It's good, perfect, and pleasing for you. And there's a difference. See, I've got boys. When I tell them to brush their teeth, they don't feel like it's pleasing to them. When I tell them to stop and they have to learn to hear their voice stop, they don't always know that it's good for them so that when a car comes one day and I shout stop, they listen. And then there's the understanding of perfect. No one's going to live a perfect life. But my Bible says I can respond to the call of God that is good, that is perfect, that is pleasing. And even when we went into ministry, I went in kicking and screaming, to be honest, not screaming. I just, I like being that guy. I like being that guy. Studying and working in the marketplace, come to church on Sunday. And then God said, I want you to be a pastor. I said, God, I, I don't know if I can love like those guys love. I don't know if I can speak. I sat under an incredibly gifted minister named Rory Dyer. He could say the most outlandish things and people's lives would change. I said, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can walk a road for the rest of my life that brings you glory and honor and doesn't lead people down. I don't know if I can do that. I just don't know. But you see, we'd work hard to not be conformed. We'd work hard to allow the Spirit of God to reform and transform our minds and thinking around things like finances and time. So when God spoke, it was easy. I want the same for you. It's not the privilege of a preacher. Look in this room, they're business people, fathers and mothers. I want you to know His will for your life. I don't want you to keep coming back to church, grasping on some sort of more of God without knowing that you can know His voice. You can hear His voice. You can walk free. You can be transformed. You can be not conformed to this world, not by being another non-conformist, by being a son of the living God, a daughter of the living God, free, free, free. You can. Why? Because it's in His Word. Not because of my testimony. Because it's in His Word. It's a promise to you. Why don't you stand with me this morning? It's an incredible... Next verse, I just want to read that as we land. Because it continues after, it's one, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. But verse 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I'm telling you, when we aren't crying out to know His will and hear His voice, it's because we're landing in arrogance and pride and self-sufficiency and it keeps us from depending, from trusting, from plugging in entirely and fully. We're trying to live with these grid sources that everyone's putting on their roof. 
I want a little bit from ESCOM so that I can get a bit more from the sun because the sun seems to pitch up more consistently. And I, I just want, I need both. But, if I, but you can't run them both at the same time. You will blow up your house. I just learned that this week. You can't. But the church are trying to do that. And I've tried to do that. I've tried, I want the source that is God and I want the source that is me. I want the power that is God and I want the control that is me. I want to hold on to all that is good in God. And I also want to fight for me. And you can't. You'll blow up your life. And God will become the tyrant who never lets you have what you think you want. Or he is the father who is good, perfect, and pleasing. It just is. It's the word of God. This scripture has called me to repent more than any other. Because outside of remembering and keeping in view the grace of God, I am a prideful, arrogant, self-sufficient survivor. But when I start to worship in sacrifice of praise to the king, I start transforming and becoming and living as a son. Just a son. A son whose father is glorious. A son who's not begging, but faith-filled. A son. And I want to pray for that this morning. A spirit of sonship and daughtership upon the sons and daughters of God. Is that all right? Can we just close our eyes for a minute? If you know that in decisions in life you've kept trying to plug into God and the goodness of God, but there also is a grasping and a holding onto the things you can control. I want to pray that the spirit of sonship would grip us this morning. And the only one who can do that is the spirit of God. If you want to plug in as a son of the do- or daughter of the living God today, which is Christianity, I want to pray with you and for you and for myself this morning as my hand is raised with you. But will you raise your hands to him this morning? Because this takes surrender. Jesus. Jesus, we love you. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and my God. My King, my Father, I pray deal with fear right now. Fear in the area of provision. Fear in the area of future and plans. Where we keep trying to make a plan. Fear that drives men and women to keep emotions hidden away. Keep money under a bed. Keep food stashed away for the doomsday that might come. Oh God, we surrender that this morning. And we say, come Spirit of God. Show us the Father. Show me the Father. When my insecurities rise up, show me the Father. When my my wants override my needs, show me the Father. When my carnality begins to shout louder than my sonship, show me the Father. When my arrogance and pride starts to rise up and you call me to get on my knees and worship again, show me the Father. Show us the Father this morning, God. And reveal the sons and daughters 
of the living God. Pray sonship, sonship, sonship. Daughters, daughters of the living God. He fights for you. He protects you. Not on the street, on the city you will walk. That hands will touch you. Because there is a Father in heaven whose grace is upon you. I declare it this morning. Parents, trust your children to the hands of the living God. Surrender them. Surrender your control. Surrender your ability to navigate them through their toughest years. You can't. But you can trust God. Why? Because you are sons and daughters of the living God. And He is faithful. And He is kind. And He is glorious. And He loves you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. God's calling out. Some of you, the Spirit of God is burning inside of you. You don't know what to do with it. God's calling out. I can't promise you it'll be easy. I can't promise you you'll never get hurt. I can't promise you God will be with you. I can't promise you He never runs out. I can't promise you He's faithful in every season and every stage. Surrender to Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. He loves you. What an amazing, amazing word. If you would like to find out about what's happening in the life of the church, why don't you follow us on our social media, Instagram or Facebook, or you can go into our website, lifechanges.org.za. Thank you so much for watching that video. Be blessed.